right? Music means a lot to me. I say that a lot, but it really does. I got a fella playing a, a mouth harp or whatever you want to call it, harmonica, and he was playing Amazing Grace, and I played it on that trip till I about wore it out. But uh, we we stopped the way we plan our trip any time that we travel is where we eat. I mean, you know, we don't go this road if it's not a good place to eat. Go to the right place. Uh, got us something good to eat. But anyhow, we usually stop at the Cracker Bell. And uh, at the Cracker Bell, they had a mouth a harmonica for sale. Three ninety-eight, I think it was. And I'd been listening to this guy play it. And I said, that sounds so easy. I think I can do that. <laughs> for the next five or six hundred miles, my wife and my daughter listen to me trying to play the harmonica <laughs> but I enjoyed it I really did we just had a good time but music it means a lot did you ever listen to the words of some of the songs I mean not just the music but the words he came down from ivory palaces I mean the very best best that could be created he came from down to this mess for worms like us and I'll never understand that. I've tried to reason out all these years, and it hasn't come to me yet. Not fully. When I get home to heaven, I want to just sit down and talk with him about it. I've heard people talk about it. When I get in fact, I've said it. When I get to heaven, I just like to go find Grandpa and sit down and talk with him. I found a picture the other day. I was looking some, through some of my old pictures of daddies, and I found a picture of my Grandpa sitting in a chair, and I never seen my Grandpa smile. Never seen him lie. I never remember him ever telling a joke or laughing. He was always serious. Big old German and had one of them old mustaches like Brother Pitts is back there almost. And, and, uh, but he was just a very serious guy. And I remember talking with him in the fireplace just before he died. I knew he was saved. Told me how he got saved and everything. So I often said, I sure am anxious to get home, get to heaven and just see Grandpa again. But you know what? That's not true anymore. First one I want to see, I'd like to see the Lord. Not only that, I'd like to sit down and just talk with him a while and just reason some things out. Just try to reason some things out because a lot I don't understand. A lot I know is true and I don't question them. That's not what I'm talking about at all. They just, I don't understand them. I don't understand electricity, but I'm sure not going to question it. I'm not going to stick my finger in a socket and see if it works. And there's a lot in the Bible that I don't understand and uh, yet I know they're true. And one of them is that Jesus would have everything and come to this earth to die for us. I don't have a thing to do with the message, but I just, it just melted my heart a minute ago as I heard them sing. You know, you haven't got to have a voice like a nightingale to sing. You just glorify God in it. And I enjoyed that very much. So if you would turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In this past week, as I said, it's been a little unusual. We went by my daddy and mama's graveyard and put some flowers, spent a little time there. And then my, my wife and I, we came home, we had to think about a little granddaughter. We went out to the graveyard and uh, put some flowers, a little thing on uh, uh, Caroline's grave. And why, just before we got there, a man got electrocuted there at the graveyard and, and died. And then I had gone to see Brother McCracken's sister and uh, her sister-in-law, whatever it is, I don't know if I get it right between nine and dark. But uh, anyhow, 
uh, I had come upon Fowl Avenue out there and there's a big semi-truck, a uh, piggyback, and a man run into that truck and got killed there. And uh, so there's just been some things happening lately that's made me keenly aware of some things. And I want to talk to you this morning about the completeness of salvation. Now, most of the time, the majority of the time, that when we preach on salvation or when we're talking to somebody about salvation, we usually talk to them about the salvation of the soul. But salvation is more complete than that. And I want to speak to you this morning on the completeness of salvation. Turn with me now to 1 Corinthians, if you would please, chapter 15. I'd like to begin to read in verse 35. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 35. But some men will say, How are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened, except it die. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bare grain. It may chance of wheat or some other grain, but God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him, and to ever seed his own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there's one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial. But the glory of the celestial is one, the glory of the terrestrial is another. There's one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, for one star differeth from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. <coughs> Excuse me. It is sown in corruption, it is raised in corruption. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown in natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body, there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit, that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterwards that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth earthly. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthly, such are they also that are earthly. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doeth corruption inherit incorruption. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, help us to understand completely this morning, or as complete as our finite minds can comprehend it, what Jesus really did for us upon the cross. Not only did he die for our soul, but he died for our body and our spirit also. Bless us today if there's anybody that has a question about their body or about their spirit or about their soul. Let it be answered through thy word this morning. Nothing that I say, nothing I do, I ask you to hide me behind the cross that the people can see Jesus and hear directly from him now. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. As I begin to study this thing, I want us to see that salvation is complete when it includes the body, soul, and spirit. Now, let's take each one of those for just a few minutes, if I could, please, and let's notice salvation in regard to man's body. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if you'll notice with me, in verse 44, it said, it is on a natural body. 
it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 2 says this, Who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself? Romans 8 verse 23 says, And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruit of the Spirit, even we ourselves drawn within ourselves, waiting for the redemption of our body. Now, I think sometimes we forget Jesus died for our bodies also. Now, I know this. When Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, I thank God that they didn't partake of the tree of life. I've thought about this and I've studied it everywhere in the world, in the scripture. If they had taken of the tree of life, they'd live forever. And brother, I don't want to live forever in this body. I don't know about you, but I visit hospitals and I go to see people all the time. It's way up in age. I'm talking about uh, right on the verge, it would seem like, that they're dying, but they're still alive and they're aching in body. I mean body. Uh, I asked the doctor one time, I said, when do a man start to die? He said, when he's born. Your cells in your body literally starts dying off the minute that you're born into this world. And so your body begins to die when you're born. And so I find something then. This thing is a continual dying. I don't want to live in that. I don't want to be in this forever. I don't want to be in pain. When you drive down the road and you see a bad car accident or something and a man gets his leg cut off or his arm broken or uh, something happens to his brain or something, how would you like to live forever and ever in that kind of condition? No, no, no. That's not what it's all about. Jesus came into this world to die for our bodies also. Now when you take a body out there into the grave and it dies and the breath of life leaves it out of this world, sometimes we got the idea that's the end of them. And we ain't going to see them no more. They're gone. That's not true. The Bible makes it very plain that Jesus died for the body also. And the wonderful thing about it is that I've come to the conclusion after studying the Bible very carefully that I'll recognize you as I know you down here. And you'll recognize me as you know me down here. And I've often wondered, why did God make us all different personalities and different colors of hair and eyes and, and uh, different shapes of lips and uh, heads and all kinds of... I don't know. Looked like he just stamped us out and we went on our way and all been the same. I don't know, but I know one thing. I'll know you when I get to heaven. Now, the only way that I can know you when I get to heaven is that I know your body down here. I know your personality down here. And when I get to heaven, I'll know it there. Now, if I'm going to know you there, then your body needs to be saved. Your body needs to be saved. Now, we know that this body is sinful. It's against God. It's evil. You can't, uh, you can't read the Bible and not find it. The Bible says there is no good thing in this thing. There is nothing good about this body. So what has to take place is, the Bible says if you go out there and you take a, a grain of wheat and you put it in the ground, you don't expect that same wheat to come up looking exactly like it was. It's got to come up a brand new wheat, a new body. And it cannot come up a new body we was over at uh, my son-in-law's last night eating supper, and they were sitting, Bill was sitting with his back to the winter, and he turned around to see something out the winter, and he said, look at there, Robbie planted, what was it, a, a, a corn, a, a what? A bean. He had planted a bean just outside the window. Robbie had stuck it in the ground and planted, and there was a little shoot about that high. Now, wait a minute. 
That's not the same shoe that went into the ground, but in reality it is the same shoe. It's a brand new shoe. It's a brand new bean that's going to be on that stalk. Now the joy of this thing is, this body God give us for a time period to make a decision. Where are you going to spend eternity? That's the only reason he give you this piece of clay. Some live for a little time, some for a long years, a period of time, but in God's grace, he give us time to make a decision where we're going to spend eternity. But you're not going to leave this whole body. This whole body is going to be fashioned like unto his glorious body. Now that's the joy of it. What's going to be the difference in this body? Flesh and blood doesn't inherit the kingdom of God. There's no blood in the veins of Jesus this morning. He shed all his blood for the forgiveness of sins. Now I don't fully understand that, but I will when I get to heaven. But I know he gave it all. But I also know he eat fish and honey corn after he rose from the dead, so I don't understand that either. But I know one thing, we're going to have a body. Jesus died to save our bodies. And so when we go out there and put it in the ground, we don't say bye-bye, buddy, we'll never see you again. Yes, we will, brother. I'll see you, and I'll know you as I know you, and you'll know me, because Jesus died to save our bodies. Secondly, I want you to see salvation in regard to man's soul. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 9 says, Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your soul. In 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 19 said, Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. God created this body and God created this soul. And so I chose some 35 years ago to to place in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ the safekeeping of my soul. In James 1 and verse 21 says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. <clears throat> now, what does the Bible say will save your soul? What is, the, what is the avenue that a soul gets saved? Of course, it's the blood atonement of the Lord Jesus, but the avenue that it works through is through this word. Watch this verse again. It says, uh, the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. When you hear the word of God preach, when you believe what the word of God says about the Lord Jesus, you by faith receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, your soul is saved. God saves your soul. Uh, Hebrews 6 and verse 19 said, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters into that within the veil. You know, I've never seen anybody's soul. Have you ever seen anybody's soul? I don't think you have. I, I can't see a man's soul, but I know something is different than a plant and a man. I know something is different than a cat than a man. I thank God for that, because I don't like cats, but I, I know that there's something different than animals and they are in human beings. You know what it is? God gave us a soul. And I can't see down into your soul, but we all got one. And God gave it to us. Now, I don't want to get to heaven one day and not have a soul, do you? I want to have everything that God... And so I thank God that he saved my soul when I put my trust in him. Thirdly, I want you to see salvation in regard to man's spirit. Romans 8 and verse 16 says, The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. 2 Timothy 4 and verse 22, The Lord Jesus Christ be with this thy spirit. Grace be with you. Amen. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 23, 
to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. The spirits of just men made perfect. Thank God one day then, our body, our soul, and spirit will be saved completely. Now, I can say that in one sense right now. I can say that in the, say, in the sense of faith. By faith, right now, my body, soul, and spirit is saved. But in reality, my body is not saved yet. And my soul is saved, my spirit is saved, but in reality, my body is not saved because this body has to go back from the ground which it come and be revived again. That's going to take place in the future. In reality, truthfully, I can't say that my spirit is saved right now in reality in that sense. I can't say that my soul is saved in reality in that sense. But one day, one day it shall be. Now in the eyes of God it is. By faith right now. My body, soul, and spirit is saved right now. But I've got to go through this transformation, if you would please. I've got to get over on the other side over yonder. I love Psalms 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That's not dying, that's going through a shadow. And I believe with all my soul. I've heard people say, I've heard preachers get up and say, the archangel of God is going to come and escort me across the valley of the shadow of death one of these days. And I oh, know the Lord Jesus Christ is going to do that. He is the archangel. And can you imagine this? If I was to fall over dead right here, right now, while preaching God's word right here in this pulpit, you can rest assured of one thing, brother. Don't worry about my body. It's gone. It'll be in, it might go back to the ground, but my glorified body's waiting for me. And don't worry about my spirit. It's gone. It's with the Lord. Don't worry about my soul. It's with the Lord. I've told my wife and my family, I don't care about insurance and I don't care about a grave marker and I don't care about uh, a tomb in the ground somewhere. if you want to put me somewhere for y'all benefits I help yourself I don't care what you do with me you throw me in a ditch for what I care because absent from the body is to be present with the Lord that's body soul and spirit all of me is going to be saved and brother I'm looking forward to that great day now my soul is saved my spirit is saved now in God's eye my body is saved but one day all of it will be completely saved. We'll be completely out of the presence of sin one day. But not now. Now, notice please, the security of salvation. Does the Bible present a whole, unconditional, permanent salvation? Or does it present a holy one, I mean one with holes in it, a conditioned and temporary salvation? Now, notice, I want to give you just a few, if I can, the proofs of eternal security for just a minute. The work of the entire Trinity guarantees eternal security. Did you know God the Father was involved in my salvation? God the Son was involved in my salvation? And God the Holy Spirit was involved in my salvation? So he was yours. Now having all three of the Godhead involved in my salvation guarantees me eternal security. My daddy is he lived to be 89. And for years and years, I dealt with him. I dealt with him 10 years before I finally got him on his knees and asked the Lord to save him by faith. He said, by faith. He said, the best I can right now, Lord Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my life and save my soul by the Bible. I took Romans chapter 10, went right down it with him. He got on his knees and prayed and asked the Lord to save him. He got up off his knees and he said, I said, Daddy, did you just get saved? He said, well, I hope so. 
I said, well, wait a minute. That's not good enough for me. It's not good enough. Hope so, salvation. I hope I hold out to the end. I hope when Jesus comes, I'll be saved. Not on your life, brother. I want to know I'm saved. I want to know I'm saved before that day comes that I've laid down this body and to meet the Lord. Now, one of the ways that I know that I'm saved and have that uh, security, that wonderful feeling of knowing that I belong to the Lord is because all three of the Trinity is involved in my salvation. Watch this, please. Number one, the work of the uh, Holy Spirit, uh, the work of the Father, I mean, because of His plan and His program. Uh, turn over with me just a minute to Romans chapter 8. And I want to begin to read in verse 29, or 28. Romans 8, verse 28. Now, a lot of people, in fact, uh, the lady that uh, uh, stood and watched that man being electrocuted and was so upset, came to me and is out there at the funeral home, and she said, Preacher, I just lost my daddy. I just buried him. My little baby just died. She said, I'm going through a hard time right now. I said, I'm going to give you a verse. I'm going to give you the word of God, and you can take it. You can like it or you lump it. And that's exactly what I said to her, but it's still the word of God, and you've got to realize God doesn't do anything wrong. And I quoted her Romans 8, verse 28. Listen at it. For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. You know my one question? Are you born again? She said, yes, sir. I said that these things are happening to help you, to help you. But listen to this. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Can I ask you something? Do you think you slipped upon God when you got saved? Do you think you just slipped up in on God one day and said, I'm going to surprise God today and I'm going to accept his son as my Savior? No, you didn't. God knew from the foundation of this earth he was going to be saved. Now, you can turn that in any way you want to put it, but that's what my Bible says. For whom he did for no, he also did predestinate to be conformed to his son. He knows who's going to be saved, and he knows who is not going to be saved. And anybody that comes into Lord Jesus and gets saved, he's going to predestinate you to be conformed to the image of his son. Now, you can't help it. You mark this down. The Holy Spirit will deal with you and deal with you through the preaching of the word of God and the heavenly Father speaks in your heart and he'll try to transform you every way in the world while you're down here to be conformed to the image of his son. But if you will not be conformed down here, if you are saved, he will conform you when you get on the way up there. You're going to be conformed to the image of his son. You're not going to heaven unless you like Jesus. You must be. Look at verse 30. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, then he also called. Whom he called, then he also justified. And whom he justified, then he also glorified. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall, we, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God who also maketh intercession for us? Let me show you something. I heard Dr. Curtis Hudson tell this one time. I said, man, I like that. He said, for instance, he said, listen, listen, what's your name? Joe. Brother Joe, I suppose you come up and slap me side of the head this morning. Pow! Just hit me a gun. And I went over to him and I said to Brother McNamara, I forgive you, brother. 
I forgive you for slapping. That'd be pretty stupid, wouldn't it? The truth is, who's got to do the forgiving? It's the one that's been offended. It's the one that it causes a problem. And you get a hold of this and you'll see something beautiful. Who is it that justifies? Who did the Bible say that justifies a sinner? The one that's been offended. Listen to me just a minute. My sins offended God Almighty, God the Father. My sins uh, offended Him. And yet the Bible says that God the Father justifies. Now wait a minute. If the one that's been offended then is justified through the blood of Jesus Christ, who are you to come and tell to me that I'm not justified? Do you see it? It's the Father that justifies. What a wonderful picture here. Notice with me, please, uh, verse 30 is a wonderful verse. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, they may also call. Whom he called, they may also justify. And whom he justified, they may also glorify. Notice the words here, they may also glorify. Now we know that glorification will not take place until after the rapture. But here in Romans chapter 8 and verse 30, Paul puts the word glorified in the past tense. In the past tense. Then we also glorified. Can I give you something? In the eyes of Almighty God, I'm not waiting till the rapture takes place to be glorified in the eyes of God. I'm already glorified in His eyes. Paul puts the word glorified in the past tense and then the plan of God the Father is then to gather all believers in Christ in the fullness of time. Now, turn with me please to Ephesians chapter 1 and look at verse 10 with me. Ephesians chapter 1 and look very quickly uh, to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 10. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ both which are in heaven and which are on earth even in him. Can I show you something? Do you think that one then that Jesus is saved can ever get out of his hand? No sir. You know why? Because of this verse 10. In the dispensation of the fullness of time. God has a timetable and it's ticking. And that fullness of time, when that clock strikes, whatever God says, that's enough. When he does that, brother, notice he's going to gather together in one that is in Christ, all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. So if you're saved and you're in Christ, you're not going to get out. You can't lose it. Because God the Father has made a statement right here in the right time. He's going to get it all that belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, brother, that's a promise from God. Notice also to display uh, those he has gathered in Christ as trophies one day of his grace throughout eternity. That's the reason God saves us. I often mention sometimes that the Lord loved me so much that he sent his son in this world to die for me. And I quote John 3.16 in saying that. But you know why God the Father saved your soul? It was not because of you. It wasn't really for your sake. Do you know why God the Father saved your soul? That you might be a trophy of God's grace for the Lord Jesus Christ. I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ and the reason that God saved this old sinner that he might set me behind him at the great white throne judgment and turn and pour to all those that condemn and say his grace still works. He's one of my trophies. And he saved me for Jesus' sake. Notice also 
because of God's love he saves me and because of the faithfulness of chastening I know that I'm saved if you turn to Romans chapter 12 I don't want to take the time to do it read it yourself you'll find something if you think that you can get by with sin and not be chasing the Lord you're wrong do you know why I have a lot of sleepless nights because I know I've done wrong you know why the Lord the Holy Spirit gives me all the time because I know I've done wrong and if you can do wrong and never be bothered about it, you better check up on your salvation because you cannot do wrong and not be chastened to the Lord. He will chasten his own. Now, I want you to see the work of the Son. Now, the work of the Father guarantees it, but the work of the Son also guarantees security to the believer because of his promise. Look with me, please, in John chapter 10. John chapter 10. And go with me to verse 27. And verse down to uh, verse 28. John chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them. says as many as my father give me no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand that's security brother that's security notice because of his prayer in John chapter 17 what is what I call the intercessory prayer of the Lord he prayed a prayer like this he said now heavenly father I pray for these disciples that you've given me here but he said I don't only pray for these but I pray for all of those that you're going to give me that's intercessory prayer and Jesus prayed for me years and years ago that I would not fall out. I would not lose my salvation. I would be kept by the power of God. That's the intercessory prayer. And because of his death. Look at John chapter 19 just a minute with me please. And look at verse 30. John 19 and verse 30. And Jesus therefore had received the vineyard. He said it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Now, if you could get a hold of those three words, it is finished. First time I read that, I said, what's finished? What are you talking about? You know what he's talking about? The plan of God's salvation is finished. You can't add to it. You can't take from it. Now, wait a minute. If you do not believe that you, if you believe that you are saved and you can lose your salvation, then you can't put that verse in your mind. You can't say it is finished. But brother, if you believe when Jesus died upon the cross, he was buried and rose again the third day and seated on the right hand of God the Father intercede for you and your sin and you trust him as your Savior, it is finished. What is finished? His salvation is finished. It's done. And you can't help him out. And so I know that I'm saved because of his death. I know that I'm saved because of his resurrection in Romans chapter 6, verse 3 to 10. And I know that I'm saved because of his present ministry in John 17, verse 1 through 26. And that's intercessory. You know Jesus where he's at right now? You go to Jerusalem, you'll find something. They call it the empty tomb. You go there and you'll not find the body of Jesus laying in a tomb. Where is he at? He's seated on the right hand of God the Father. What are you doing there, Jesus? I'm there to intercede for you. You know what that means? That means he's a mediator between God the Father and sinful man. Sinful man cannot approach a holy God. He's got to have a mediator. He's got to have a go-between. 
You know who's my go-between? The Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord John chapter 17 tells us that Jesus is our intercessor. He's the one who stands before God or seated on the right hand of God the Father to intercede for us sinners. And I have that right. I have that privilege. And I know that I can approach Him. You know what the old devil tells me every day of my life? I slip up. I do things I don't intend to do and I sin against God. The old devil says, see there, no use for you to pray. Ain't nobody hear you. You know what I tell him? You're a liar and a father of it. Because the Bible says I'm a child of his and he will hear me because of the intercessor. Not because of me, because of him. And he does hear me. And he does answer me. And so we find uh, the work of the Son guarantees it. Jesus died to get me saved, but he now lives to keep me saved. He lives to keep me saved. And then thirdly, the work of the Holy Spirit is in eternal security. Did you know John 3, verse 3 through 7 says he regenerates the believer? That means he makes you from something that was dead into something that's alive. Do you know he's the only one who can do that? I can't take something dead and make it alive. I'm always amazed at these evolutionists that claims there is no God, that things just evolve, and they're always trying to make something grow. Or they're always trying to create did you know you can't create? God's the only one that can create. God's the only one that can reach out here into nothing. And this is hard for me to comprehend, but I know it's true. God can reach out here into nothing and say to a pine tree, let it be a pine tree. And there's a pine tree. Or God can reach out here into nothing and say, let there be born a little baby. And a little baby is born. From nothing to something. Man comes along and he tries to make something, he has to get something, and he has to change it around and change some of the elements, and then he has to make something else out of what he's already got. But God is the only one that can speak something out of nothing. God creates. In John chapter 3 and verse 3 through 7 says the Holy Spirit regenerates a believer. He takes something that's dead and makes us alive. I often say this and I mean it. I'm so glad I'm not saved by emotions. You know why? Because I'm up here one day, I'm on the floor the next. I'm so glad I'm saved one day, and the next day I'm, I'm just, my emotions is all messed up, and, and so I, I, I don't depend on my emotions, but I'm glad I got some. Man, when I hear a song like was sung there a while ago, when I hear the choir sing and glorify the Lord in song, when I'm going down the road and hear amazing grace play on that harmonica, I was telling you about, man, my hair stands up on the back of my neck. I love it. I'm glad I got some emotions. I'm alive, aren't you? And I'm glad I'm alive with inside. And notice also, that not only does the Holy Spirit regenerate the believer, but the Holy Spirit baptizes the believer into the body of Christ. Did you know that 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13 speaks of being baptized into the body of Christ? Now listen to me. If you're not into the body of Christ, you're none of His. If you've never been placed into the body of Christ, you don't belong to Him. There's but one person that can place you into the body of Christ. You come to a man, he can't do that. You come to a Bible teacher, he can't do that. But you come to the Holy Spirit of God and He takes an old rotten sinner and baptizes him into the body of Christ by faith. Listen to me. Once you get in the body, brother, you can't get out. You can't get out. Not only that, but the Bible says the Holy Spirit indwells the believer. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and verse 16, I know this, there's something lives in me that didn't used to live there. 
because I used to wasn't bothered about my sins like I am now. But now there's something that convicts me and bothers me. There's something that excites me about the Word of God. What is it? It's the Holy Spirit indwells me. I know this also. He seals a believer. Now, I never realized the difference in sealing before, but my wife makes some preserves every once in a while. She makes the best strawberry uh, refrigerated jam, or what you call it, and she screws this lid down on that thing and puts it in the water and it goes, you hear it. I mean, it goes, and when it does a certain noise to it, you know what it does? It seals that fruit that's in that jar. And then you can set it out there in the utility room. You can put it around wherever you want to. And six months or a year later, you can come back and you, pow, you can screw that lid off of it. And it makes that sound of that seal breaking that seal. And it's just as fresh as the day you put it in there. What makes the difference? That seal. Did you know what the Holy Spirit done for you and I when we got saved? He sealed us. You know what I mean? Safe keeping. Safe keeping. The devil can't help me. I am sealed by the Holy Spirit. Not only that kind of seal, but there's another kind of seal. You take a ring sometimes of the king's years ago, and you take that ring, and it had a signal on it, and if they was going to send a special document to somebody by a carrier, they would take that ring, and they would stamp a seal of the king on it. And by stamping that seal of that king, it said, that belongs to me. You better not open that letter. If you open that letter, it was death to you. Can I give you something? When Jesus saved me, the Holy Spirit put the seal of God upon me, and the devil comes around and says, you're one of mine. No, I'm not, brother. I got the seal of God upon me. I belong to him. Not only that, but I want you to see he strengthens a believer. In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 16, he prays for the believer. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 26, all of these things that I'm trying to tell you is, Salvation is complete. Body, soul, and spirit. How do I know I'm saved? Because God the Father had a plan before I was ever born, before this world was ever created. And that plan said that His Son would come into this world to die for my sins. So God the Son carried out God the Father's plan. God the Holy Spirit regenerates or does the physical work if you want to put it that way God the Father had a plan God the Son came in this world to carry out his plan now the Holy Spirit brings it to you and I all three of the Trinity is involved in our salvation and therefore I know I'm saved because you see salvation is of the Lord it's not a man it's of the Lord you want to lay down your head at night Go to bed and not worry about ever waking up again and worrying about your body, soul, and spirit. Remember who does the saving. The old holiness that I used to go to says, Are you prayed through yet? Dr. Curtis Hudson said one time when he went to the altar to get saved, he got down on his knees and was praying. He said there was a, one woman on one side of him, another woman on the other side of him, had their hands on him. One of them said, Turn loose, my brother. Turn loose now. He said, on the other hand, there was another said, Hold on, my brother. Hold on. He said, I didn't know whether to turn loose or hold on. You know what? Had nothing to do with you. You can turn loose all you want to. You can hold on all you want to. Salvation not of you. Salvation is the Lord. God the Father's plan. God the Son carried it out. And God the Holy Spirit is a worker of it. Wonderful, isn't it? 
And if God does it, he'll do the keeping of it. Amen? Stand with me, please. Heavenly Father, bless your people. Dear Lord, we're so concerned about these last hours of life, last minutes of life lately. And we understand the agony sometimes that people go through of not knowing. Why would people wait? I do not know. Why would people take chances with their soul, their spirit, and their body? I do not know. But I know, dear Heavenly Father, that you came in this world to die for sinners. And body, soul, and spirit can be saved by the marvelous grace of God today. And if there's somebody here today that's never made that personal decision, God has been gracious to them. He's let them see a daylight, sun up, sun down many a time. And here they are yet. Dear God, it could be today that they could have that sweet assurance that only you can give. Let it be so. And we'll praise and honor you for it. We ask you to get glory to thyself now out of the invitation. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.